You're listening to the Mission Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Sunday morning gatherings where we worship in community, study God's Word, and grow in our faith together to the glory of Jesus Christ. The Mission Church is committed to helping each person belong and believe and to equip them to embrace the call of God upon their life. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. Get your Bibles open. Find your way to Genesis chapter 30, and uh, the ushers are in the aisle, or at least one usher's in the aisle. Uh, if you need a Bible, raise your hands, and, and we'll get you some. Wait, wait, we're out of Bibles? That's not good when a church is out of Bibles. <laughs> uh, we've been studying the life of Jacob. And what an interesting guy. Jacob, his name means heel catcher or deceiver or swindler or trickster, right? And we've been looking at his life in this process of God taking a man who is full of sin, like all of us, and transforming him and uh, calling him into a relationship with God so that he might build him and pour into him. Uh, That's what we have been looking at. And we pick it up there today where we left off Genesis chapter 30. The title of the message, The Illusion of Control. The Illusion of Control. How many of you like to be in control? Control, like, yeah. How many uh, control freaks out there? Like, uh, how many of you know that control is just an illusion? Uh, We have no control, right? Uh, We can't make our heart beat. We can't make our blood flow. Uh, Tomorrow, everything could change. There could be a natural disaster. Anything could happen. We don't have control. Control is an illusion. Uh, Let's discuss that word illusion for a moment. What does an illusion mean? False, a deception, a mirage. Yeah, Control is something we love, but it's an illusion. It's something that is false. It's something that's not even really there. There is only one who is in control. There is only one who is sovereign. His name is Jesus. And uh, in our foolish attempt, we all love control, but in our foolish attempt, uh, we really realize that, um, well, it's a wise thing to realize that there's only one who has control. And uh, today we're going to be looking at that and the comfort that comes from entering into a place where we know that and we, we walk in that. Uh, let's bring our, our hearts before the Lord as we pray, as we open God's word. Uh, Jesus, the sovereign King of kings, the Lord of lords, you are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. You created all things. You became a man and went to a cross on our behalf to demonstrate tangibly your love for us, to purchase us back to yourself. Lord, we are in awe of you. And you resurrected on the third day, just as you foretold that you would. And Lord, your love has transformed our lives. Some, Lord, just seeking, uh, Lord, your love is calling them, wooing them. Lord, we ask that you would speak to all of us today. As we open your Bible right now, we realize that This is the divine word. It's even a miracle that we have it in our our laps right now. You have preserved it through the ages. So Lord, allow your word to be illuminated to us. We can't understand it without your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, please come upon us. Fill us, Lord. Lead, guide us, and direct us into truth. Help us to see ourselves and help us to see you, that we might walk with you more clearly, more uh, sincerely. And uh, Lord, may your grace be upon us, we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 30. We are looking at the life of Jacob. God has a covenant on on the nation Israel. Uh, This started with uh, God calling a man named Abraham to himself. Uh, Then Abraham had a son, Isaac. And then Isaac had a son, Jacob. And this covenant is now on Jacob's life. Jacob is not submitting his life to God. God's calling is on his life, and yet Jacob is a control freak. And he's trying to do everything in his own strength. And uh, God is still 
working in his life, still bringing him to himself. Uh, Jacob has gone to Haran because he made a mess of things at home, deceived his dad, deceived his brother. His brother wanted to kill him. He had to get the heck out of Dodge. And he goes to Haran, and there he finds a wife. His, her name is Rachel. She's beautiful. He marries her. Uh, and on their wedding night, dad does a switcheroo and throws the, the, the older sister into the uh, into the tent and Jacob doesn't know it. It's dark. He wakes up in the morning and oh my gosh, it's a different woman. And now he has worked 14 years, seven years to get Rachel the first time. And now another seven years to get her. Uh, they've got a lot of kids now. He has uh, 12 children, 11 boys and a girl. And this is the story of his life that we're looking at here. Uh, we left off last week on verse 27. I'm going to back us up to 25 just to kind of get the flavor for where we are. Uh, Exodus, excuse me, Genesis 30, verse 25. Are you there? Yeah. Let's follow along as I read. And it came to pass, when Rachel had born Joseph, Rachel had been barren, and now Rachel actually has a child. Uh, Rachel is the wife that he loves, right? Uh, when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I might go to my own place, back to the promised land where God had called him, and to my country. Give me my wives and my children from whom I have served you and let me go, for you know my service which I have done for you. Uh, I've worked for you these 14 years. I worked for you the first seven years for Rachel, and you tricked me. And you made me work another seven years for you, for her again. And I did, and I've been faithful. And now she's had a child, and I want to go. I want to go to the promised land. Very interesting, by the way, um, how God moves in our hearts, how God moves in Jacob's life here. Uh, Rachel was the love of his life. Uh, he didn't want multiple wives. He wanted one wife. All, all this happened because of sin. He got tricked and all these other things. But Rachel was the one he loved. And now Rachel conceives, and they have a son named Joseph. And Jacob's heart is moved. We're going to learn, we're going to see in weeks to come, Joseph is a special son. God, J, excuse me. Jacob is going to give him uh, the coat of many colors. Uh, this is a coat of uh, privilege. It's the coat of a double portion of the inheritance. And that is how special Joseph is to Jacob. And when Rachel, the love of his life, has her first son, Joseph, uh, Jacob's heart is moved. No doubt the Holy Spirit prompting him, the Holy Spirit calling him, get back into the promised land that I have called you to be. God wooing him and drawing him. And he uh, has this desire. And uh, he tells Laban that, right? And look at verse 27. Look at Laban's response. And Laban said to him, please stay. If I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord Yahweh, Jehovah, has blessed me for your sake. Oh, I've seen that God's hand is upon you and uh, you have become an amazing herdsman. I mean, you've brought me great wealth and, and I see that God's hand is on you. Please stay, please stay. Uh, and uh, verse 28 and he, Laban, said to Jacob, name your wages and I will give it. Very interesting. Jacob in his heart knew that God was calling him back to the promised land. But Laban says, hey, I'll pay you anything you want. And that attraction of greed keeps Laban from walking in what God is calling him to. And as I mentioned last week, I believe, uh, I wonder how many of us have allowed the lure of greed, the lure of wealth, the lure of money or a promotion or whatever to keep us from walking in the center of God's will. And Jacob gets this temptation and unfortunately he falls for it. Name your wages and I will give it. And so Jacob said to him, you know how I have served you and how your livestock have been with me. Uh, Jacob was a brilliant herdsman, and he's saying, you know how much increase you've had, right? Uh, verse 30, for what you had before I came was little. 
now, Laban was wealthy before Jacob came, but what Jacob is saying is what you had before I came was little in comparison to what you have now. Uh, God has made you just super wealthy, or Jacob thinks he has made him super wealthy, I don't know. Uh, uh, what you had before I came was little, and it has increased to a great amount. The Lord, Yahweh, has blessed you since my coming, and now when shall I also provide for my own house? Jacob is saying, listen, Laban, I've got 11 kids now. I can't work for you forever. I mean, I've got to provide for my own family, right? Uh, and so he has a pretty serious talk with Laban here. Uh, verse 31. So he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall give me, not, you shouldn't give me anything. I'm not asking for a free handout. But if you will do this one thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flocks. Uh, I will take care of all of your flocks. Yeah, they work out a business deal together right here. And here's Jacob's business deal. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted, spot, excuse me, speckled and spotted sheep, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and the spotted and speckled among the goats. And these shall be my wages. Do you understand? Uh, what is Jacob saying? Laban. You keep all the purebred. You keep all the, the, the ones that, you know, what color are sheep? White. You keep all the white sheep. And you keep all the dark goats. And you keep all the, the good stuff. And I'll take the rejects. And they'll be my pay. And uh, then whatever is born from then on, the, if they're spotted, if they're streaked, if they've got marks on them, they'll be my sheep. And if they're pure, they'll be your sheep. Uh, let's, let's make this deal, right? Verse 33. So my righteousness will answer for me in the days to come. Uh, what's he saying? Uh, years from now, uh, we'll know that, you know that this is right between us. Look what he says. In the, in the time to come, in the years to come, when the subject of my wages comes before you, everyone that is not speckled and not spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs or dark among the lambs will be considered stolen if it is with me. Uh, what's Jacob saying? He's saying, look, in the years to come, I'll, have, I'll, I'll grow a herd. And when my herd's there, if there's a white lamb in there, what do we know? I stole it. It's yours. And if there's a, a, a perfect goat in there, it's yours. I'll only take the rejects. And Lab, uh, Jacob has thought of this idea because he knows Laban has tried to change his wages over and over and over again. And so he says, look, in the years to come, it'll be really clear. If it's a perfect lamb in my, in my group, yeah, it's yours, right? And, uh, and I stole it from you. Uh, and so uh, uh, Laban said, oh, that it were according to your word. Jacob goes, man, you got a deal. Ja uh, excuse me, Laban, man, you got a deal. Laban knew that this was a really good deal because most sheep are white and most are, you know, uh, uh, they're, they're not this way. And if we're going to remove all of those, he's going to like, this is the best deal ever. Furthermore, Laban is just as much of a trickster as Jacob is. Interesting how God has done that, right? He is showing Jacob what his deception looks like by allowing him to get it himself. So Laban, he's also got a sinister plan that we're going to see in just a minute. Verse 35. So he, that's Laban, removed that day all the male goats that were speckled and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted. Everyone that had some white in it or everyone that had some, uh, some brown among the lambs. And uh, he removed them. And where were they supposed to go? To Jacob. He removed them and gave them into the hand of his sons. Then he put three days journey between himself and Jacob 
And Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flock. Wow. Uh, what just happened to Jacob? Laban changed the deal, didn't he? Uh, Jacob thought, oh, we'll do. And he wanted to have a starter flock. That starter flock would be just a few of the spot of the streak and that kind of thing. And now what kind of star starter flock does Jacob have? Nothing. Uh, Laban takes them and he gives them to his sons and he has his sons take care of the streaked and the spotted and he puts a three-day journey in between them. Uh, a, a day's journey was about 15 miles. So we're about 45, 50 miles. Why does he separate all those sheep from his sheep 50 miles away and give them to his sons? Why does he do that? Well, he doesn't want Jacob to have any spotted sheep. So he's removing them completely, putting them way far away so that they can't mate. And if you take a white lamb and another white lamb and they mate, what are you going to get? A white lamb. And that's why Jacob, uh, Laban said, oh, this is a sweet deal. You got a deal, right? And uh, here we see this, this situation that Jacob is now in. Um, what a bad deal for Jacob. And may I say something? God loves that. God loves that. When you take the selfless road, uh, Laban, I'll take, all the, I'll take all the spotted sheep and I'll work hard for you for all your sheep. Uh, that's just good. Uh, uh, it's a good thing to do, right? Like uh, serving others is better than yourself. Now, Jacob's motive was probably different, uh, but uh, nonetheless, uh, still a good thing. Verse 20, 37. So Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar, and of almond and chestnut trees. And he peeled white stripes in, <clears throat> in them. And he exposed the white that was in the rod. So he took these, these poplar rods and he, you know, they're all solid green. And he cuts with a knife just white stripes right down them, right? So they look like a, like a candy cane, right? Like just stripe going up and down. Verse 18. And the rods which he peeled, he set before the flocks in the gutters. In the watering troughs, where the flocks came to drink, he put them there in all the feeding troughs and all the watering troughs, everywhere where the animals would gather, he put them around, so that they should conceive when they came to drink. Uh, what is Jacob's motive here? What is he, what is he going after? Uh, he puts all these rods in front of the watering troughs and everything, so that when the sheep comes, they're going to be looking at these things, and his motive is that what kind of crazy you go what the heck what is he thinking uh well uh two possibilities um number one we know nothing scientific of this working right uh but jacob was an amazing herdsman and it is possible that these striped rods would act kind of like an aphrodisiac when they when the animal saw them and that they would mate the word conceive here in the Bible is actually go in heat. And so that they might uh, come to the watering hole and it was kind of like, uh, I'll just do a blank eye. Kind of like, uh, you know, jazz music for adults or whatever, right? Uh, and the, the animals would come before there and they would, they would mate there because of the, the colors. Possible. It's also possible that Jacob was just uh, thinking that uh, that would have some kind of prenatal influence on the animals and that when they were mating, they would see these things and that spotted animals would come out, striped animals. We don't know for sure. Either way, crazy plan, right? Crazy plan. Um, so what happens? Verse 39. So the flocks conceived before the rods and the flocks brought forth streaked and speckled and spotted. Crazy. And Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the street and all the brown of the flock of Laban or all the dark of the flock of Laban or all the spotted. So they started, these pure lambs started producing what? Speckled lambs. And as the flocks grew, uh, Jacob made all of Laban's flocks always face the speckled. Uh, what's he trying to do? Just get them to produce more and more and more, right? Selective breeding there. 
Uh, look what he says. But he put his own flocks by themselves, and he did not put them with Laban's flocks. So once his flocks grew, he put them off. He started saving his, separating his own animals now. Verse 41. And it came to pass, whenever the stronger livestock conceived, that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put in the, the, the rods. Uh, so the feebler were Laban's and the stronger were Jacob's. Uh, crazy, right? Uh, it's like when, you, when, when, you're, when my kids were little, you know, and uh, we had one cupcake and there was only one left. And, and so uh, I say, you know, okay, well, we'll cut that cupcake in half for you, right? So we cut it in half and, and uh, my son goes to give it to his brother and drops it and he goes, oh, your cupcake dropped on the ground, right? It's like, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, Jacob is thinking that way, right? Taking the best for himself on everything, right? Verse 43. Thus the man, Jacob, became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and male servants, camels and donkeys. Or in other words, he got incredibly wealthy. Uh, he was able to trade uh, all his livestock and now start getting male and female servants. He's got a lot of people working for him. He's got camels. He's got donkeys. His business is expanding. He has become very wealthy in this seven-year period. God has richly, richly blessed him. Uh, huge, huge flocks requiring lots of servants and enough capital to now be trading and, and getting camels and everything else. Uh, just amazing, the blessing. Here's the question. Why did God bless Jacob so abundantly? Is Jacob acting honorably? Uh, who's Jacob really working for, Laban or Jacob? Jacob. Why then is God blessing him so abundantly? Jacob was shrewd. He is on the edge of being very deceitful with Laban. He's way too selfish. He's working only for himself. He's bending every deal his way, everything he can do. He kind of twists and manipulates and makes it good for who? Himself. Those are not good qualities. Why then is God blessing Jacob? Furthermore, Jacob hasn't even got to a point in his life where he's submitting to the lordship of God. He has not even made God the lord of his life. The lord of your life means he's your authority. You do what he says. You walk in his ways. You value his, his word. You listen to his instruction. When you want to do it your way, you do it God's way because you believe God's way is right. Jacob's not there. And yet God is still blessing him abundantly. Why? What is God doing? Why is God uh, showing such favor? I mean, Jacob has become extremely wealthy in just seven years. Why? Here's why. Because God made a covenant with Abraham. God made a promise to Abraham. And God keeps his promises. Jacob doesn't deserve any of this. This is all God's grace. This is all God's grace on Jacob's life. You see, God has big plans for Jacob. God wants to do incredible things in Jacob's life. And so God is just setting him up and blessing him for the things that he wants to do in Jacob's life. And I want you to think, I want you to ponder just for a moment Sit back and reflect on just your own life. I want you to consider, I want you to ponder, what did God have in mind when he created you? You see, you are not an accident. You were created by God on purpose. I'm an accident. I mean, I, I was conceived after my parents were divorced. Figure that one out. <laughs> it was a good Friday night is all I can say. And yet I'm not an accident. God has a plan for your life. Now I want you to ponder, what 
does God want to do in your life? Oh, if we would only begin to grasp, if we would only begin to understand. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 tells us, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Oh, if you could only begin to fathom and grasp the love of God for you, the plans that God has for you, all that he wants to do in you, the man that he wants to make you to be, the wisdom he wants to impart into your life, the woman he wants you to be, the the character he wants to build. Oh, if you could only fathom all that God wants to do. Eye has not seen Ear has not heard, neither has he entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed those things to us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. What's that? That means those things are not unknowable. That when you enter into a relationship with God, your eyes begin to see, your ears begin to hear, your heart begins to understand the depth and the magnitude of God's love for you and the plans that he has on your life and what he is calling you to, and you begin to walk in that. You see, these promises are on Jacob's life because of what God wants to do, not because of what Jacob wants to do. And oh, that Jacob would only understand all that God wants to do in his life. I am uh, now a grandpa of two and hoping to be a grandpa of a lot more if my kids are listening. Uh, And uh, my firstborn son has a daughter. We dedicated her last week if you were here. And uh, my second born son has a uh, son named Owen. He's a little bit older. Uh, he's one in, uh, uh, 16 months. Um, and uh, it is just so fun for me. Uh, I always knew I'd love having grandkids. Just so fun to be a grandpa and play with your grandkids. But you know what I never dreamed? What I never even thought? It is so fun to me. And what I've enjoyed equally as much is watching my sons be dads. And watching how amazing of a dad they are. And this bond that they have with Ryan and Owen. And just the way they play. And the way that, and oh, I get a video every day. And I get pictures. I just, it's amazing, right? I'm just amazing. And the way my son Jordan bonding with River. And just, oh my God. It's so much fun to walk, watch them walk in. All that God has for them as they begin to grow and thrive and achieve. And what does God have planned for you? You see, God is blessing Jacob. You go, man, I don't get it. The guy's tricking, the guy's deceiving, the guy's swindling, the guy's... And God's favor is all over him. And the same is true for who? For you and me. For you and me. God loves to give good gifts to his kids. And he has great plans for what he wants to do in your life. And oh, may your heart begin to fathom and ponder, for their wisdom will enter into your life. Look what God had told Jacob uh, when Jacob was at Bethel, uh, when he saw that stairway going up into the heaven, right? This, the, the staircase going up there. Uh, God had reminded him some of the things that God had planned for him. Uh, let's look at that, Genesis 28. Let me hear you read this. And the Lord said to Jacob, I am the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, right? God of, read with me, God of Abraham, your father. And the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your descendants. Jacob wasn't even walking with God at that time. He doesn't even know God very well at this time. Afterwards, he makes a deal with God as if you can make deal with God. You can't, right? Uh, But yet God says, this is still what I want to do. I'm going to give you all of this land and I'm going to give it to your descendants. Jacob doesn't even have any kids at this point, right? Uh, Let's go on. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Jacob, not only am I going to make you a great nation, not only am I going to give you so many offspring that they're just going to scatter all over and I'm going to give you all this land, but not only that, I'm going to bring the Messiah through you for Through your lineage, I'm going to bring the Messiah. And in that Messiah, all the nations of the earth for all time will be blessed. The Abrahamic covenant. These big plans that God has for Jacob. Let's go on. 
Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Or in other words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake as the good shepherd. He has a plan that he wants to do on our life, and he's going to bring it all into fruition, and it's his doing. He is the one who is in control, not us. I am so thankful for God's sovereignty over our life. I am so thankful he is able to make us into what he wants us to be. God blessed Jacob because of all these promises that were made to Abraham. God blessed Jacob because of this Abrahamic covenant. And this Abrahamic covenant is still in effect today. Uh, All of these promises are still on Israel today. And uh, though all the nations of the the earth are going to come around her and against her and try to destroy her, God still has these promises on Israel. God's promises stand even when you're a Jacob. Amazing. Now, what's the application for us? Uh, The Abrahamic covenant uh, doesn't belong to us. That belongs to Israel. But to the church, God has given many incredible promises. And we would be wise to hold on to them. Promises like in Romans 8, 1, that says, There is therefore now no what? Condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Wow. What an amazing, amazing promise. Or how about this one in John 14? These are Jesus' words. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you may be also. And if I go, I will come again, that I might receive you to myself. Wow. What's that? Yeah, Jesus saying, listen, this life is short. It's here for a blip. And what happens here is to prepare things for you in heaven that are just incredible. Big plans. We have eternity together. And if it wasn't so, I would have told you a different path. Like, hey, you know, that's not the way. But it is that way. And I'm going to the cross to prepare a way for you. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. I'm going to die on the cross so that you can be in eternity with me. Amazing plans. Just amazing plans. How about this in Hebrews 13? I will never leave you nor forsake you. No, never. And the never is in the present tense, like never, 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 right? Uh, I will never leave you or forsake you. What a comfort. Uh, How amazing. Uh, How about this one in Philippians? Good promises to hold on to. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus' return. Wow. Thank you that this isn't up to what? Because I'd be in trouble. Uh, No, he's a good shepherd, and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Just amazing. How about this one? Uh, Romans 8, uh, 28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Uh, For whom God foreknew, he also predestined. Predestined? What does predestined mean? Let me hear. What does predestined mean? It means your destiny is predetermined. For those who he foreknew, he also predestined. What did he predestine us for? To be conformed into the image of his son. Wow. I can't think of a better thing to be predestined to. uh, That I might actually look like Jesus. And that transformation is happening now. Uh, God beginning that work in us. And we are moving from glory to glory. Uh, uh, now we, we, he begins, his character traits begin to become ours. But 1 John 3 would tell us, uh, Beloved, now we are the children of God, but yet it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know when we shall see him, 
we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Wow, what another incredible promise. That right now I am trying to learn his ways and walk in his ways, but there's a real transformation. This corruption must put on incorruption. This mortality must put on immortality. He's going to bring me into the presence of him, and he's going to transform me and give me a new glorified body that will be in his image. Oh my gosh, amazing things. Whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Moreover, whom he predestined, he called. Maybe your hearing is called today. And whom he called, he justified. Justified? He made you completely right in his eyes. Uh, justified is way better than being forgiven. Forgiven's good. How many of you like forgiven? Forgiven's good. But forgiven can still remember what you did before you were forgiven. Justified means you're made just as if it never happened. He conformed us, predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. And then he called us. And those who he called, he justified. And those who he justified, well, the Bible says he glorified. Glorified? Uh, yeah, he's going to... Uh, not only justify us, but he's going to glorify us. He's going to transform us. Uh, then it goes on to say, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, what does it even matter who's against us? God's for us. Let me ask you, who decides if the student gets an A on the test? Who decides? The teacher. And if the teacher says you get an A on the test, what does it matter if the person sitting next to you says, you're not very smart? Doesn't matter. It's the teacher who gives the grade. And the Bible says, uh, if God is for us, what does it matter who's against us? Well, man, that wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. Well, what, what then? Is God, is God, what should we say to these things? If God is for us, who shall be against us? Since God did not spare his own son, but put him on a cross in our place, will he not also freely give us all things? And I'm just quoting Romans to you. None of this is mine. What am I saying? These are the amazing promises of God. And whether you're a good boy or a bad boy, a good girl or a bad girl, God moves towards all that he has planned for you, rather you deserve it, or not, if you're a child of God. How amazing. Why did God bless Jacob so abundantly? Because God has big plans for Jacob, and these are his promises. And I want to encourage you, God has big plans for you, and God keeps all of his promises. The second reason God is blessing Jacob is because God is defending Jacob. God is defending Jacob. The Bible says, vengeance belongs to who? To the Lord. How many of you wish it said, vengeance belongs to you? Go get it. <laughs> and I have learned in life that it is really wise to allow the Lord to take vengeance for me. To allow the Lord to defend me. So often when I'm attacked, so often when I'm mistreated, so often when, I'm not, when, I, when unfair things happen to me, I want to do what? Defend myself. And here's what I have found. You've heard me say it before, probably. If you defend yourself, God will let you. But he's a way better defender. Let him defend you. Trust him. That's what it means to say vengeance is the Lord. You don't need to go around defending yourself. Just walk with the Lord. And here, God has seen all that has happened to Jacob. God is a powerful defender. Uh, could, could Jacob have ever earned such wealth in just seven years? Not even humanly possible. I don't care what business plan you have. I don't care how good you are at making rods and stripping them into white streaks. Uh, you just can't have that kind of wealth, that kind of success in seven years. God honored and defended Jacob. Jacob did that. During these seven years that uh, Laban has messed with Jacob, 
taking all the speckled out, sending them off to 50 miles away to his sons. God, Jacob just put his head down and went to work, and God blessed it. Uh, God has seen how Laban tricked Jacob for made him work an extra seven years for the woman that he loved. God has seen all these things, and God is not thwarted. His plans are not hindered by uh, all the, the bad stuff that happened to Jacob. Um, what's crazy, what's absolutely crazy to me, uh, how many of you would say Jacob is pretty blessed right now? God's favor all over his life, right? Uh, for sure, right? Uh, What's crazy, though, is that Jacob is still trying to earn God's blessings. I mean, God is blessing him abundantly, and Jacob is still trying to earn God's blessings by performance. And this is a repeated theme in Jacob's life. And may I say, it's a repeated theme in our life. Our life. Let's look at Jacob first. His mom gets pregnant. They've been barren for 20 years. She finally conceives, and it's a tumultuous pregnancy. She is like, what the heck? This is Isaac and Rebecca. And Rebecca is pregnant, and she's like, finally, man. I mean, uh, you know, she's throwing up every morning. Her stomach's going like this when the kids get bigger. She's in turmoil, right? Uh, and she's like, God, what is going on? Her exact words, if you are for us, if I'm your covenant people, why is this going on? And God's answer, two nations are in your womb. And she says, I thought so. I thought so. Uh, Two nations are in your womb. But the elder will serve the younger. And my covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, will go on the younger. And these two are going to be battling their whole lives and throughout all of history. Welcome to the Middle East. But the, but, but the covenant is on the younger. And so Jacob from birth had God's election on his life. Paul would take this teaching in Romans to teach us that it's not us who, called, uh, who, who, who chose God. It's God who chose us. Uh, Paul calls it divine election, right? Uh, that God chose us. And me, we merely responded to God's call. Maybe you're here in church today, and you're thinking, yeah, I don't know, I'm kind of thinking about God a little bit, um, kind of thought I'd come and check it out today. I want you to know it is God moving in your heart, bringing you here. You say, no, that's not true, man, it's a guy from work. No, it wasn't a guy from work. <laughs> God is calling you to himself. And the, he wants you to answer that call. He wants you to know, he wants you to discover, he wants you to learn the magnitude of his love for you, and he wants you to answer that call, but it's all by God's election, all by God calling you. How blessed you are. And we have nothing to boast of. Jacob couldn't say, I'm a better baby. No, I mean, he wasn't even born yet, right? Like, it was God's sovereignty. But what's amazing is this calling was on Jacob's life. Nevertheless, what does Jacob try to do his whole life? Earn the birthright that was already what? given to him crazy as a young teen his brother goes out hunting and he plans this scheme he's going to come back he's going to be starving i'm going to have this food ready i'm going to sell him my ask him to sell me the birthright and it does he tries to buy the birthright years go by his dad is now old he's on his deathbed and on his deathbed jacob dresses up like his brother trying to deceive his dad to get the birthright jacob the birthright is already yours what the heck jacob why are you still trying to earn god's blessings crazy it was disastrous it made a royal mess Jacob had to leave his home, his brother trying to kill him. Now God is blessing Jacob once again. He's with Laban, and God is blessing him. He's giving him 12 children. 
Those children will become the 12 tribes of Israel. God is doing an amazing work in his life. He's giving him great wealth. This is God's favor. And yet Jacob is still scheming to earn the blessings. Working every angle. Striving to achieve success. Striving to achieve wealth and greatness. Making striped rods. Putting them at all the watering poles. Uh, holes uh, everywhere he goes. It's like, hey, telling his, hey, get those sheep over there. Turn them this way. Turn them toward the speckled sheep. Don't let them look that way. No, no, turn them. Turn them. Work. Put those rods over here. Take them over here. Get some more rods. Oy vey. That's a lot of stress. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of churning. That's exhausting. And many of us are doing what? The exact same thing. Jesus said, really? Really? Don't you know the plans that I have for you? Jesus would simplify it and say it this way. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? All these other things will be added unto you. Jacob, why are you scheming so hard? Why are you working so hard? How many of us realize that it's not Jacob's shenanigans with striped rods that really are doing very much with these sheep? How many of us realize that God did all that? Yeah, absolutely. It is God who made Jacob wealthy. And we, like Jacob, often try to earn the blessings that God wants to give us freely by faith. Striving to earn what God wants to give us by faith. The Bible calls this works-based religion. Or a works-based relationship with God. And it's common. What does it look like? Well, it looks like, oh man, I blew it last night. I got really angry. I said things I shouldn't have said. I behaved poorly. I'm going to do better. I'm going to try harder. I can't pray to God now. After what I did, I can't go to Bible study now. I can't go to mission group now. I can't go share. I can't go, I can't be... I'll do better first. I'll do better first. Then I'll, then I'll come in and then I'll, then I'll ask Bill to lunch and tell him about Jesus. But I can't do that now. I messed up last night. Or I clicked on something on the computer I shouldn't have clicked on. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm never going to do that again, God. I'm going to improve. I'm going to improve. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. And we make these deals. Or I drank. Or I... Whatever, right? You fill in the blank. You get what I'm saying. And we try to earn the blessings that God already wants to give us in our own strength. And here's what I know. When you tell God, oh God, I'm never going to do that again. You just lied and you just sinned. <laughs> because guess what we're going to do again? It is only by his power working in us that we can stand sanctified and walk in the right path. I can't do it on my own. And here's what we find when we try, we, uh, we, start, we start falling into like Jacob. We're working hard to achieve what God already wants to give us. Jacob, your striped rods are doing nothing, my friend. This is all God's doing. In chapter 31, we're going to learn, we're going to see. As a matter of fact, I think I have that verse on the screen. Uh, chapter 31 uh, verse 8, I think it is. Uh, verse 11. Uh, let me hear you read this. Uh, this is God speaking to Jacob. And the angel of God spoke to me, that's Jacob, in a dream, saying, Jacob. And I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes now and see. All the rams which leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled, and gray-spotted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. Jacob, this was my doing. 
I'm the one who made all these speckled sheep get be, be birthed. I'm the one who gave you all that wealth. This is my doing. I am caring for you. Uh, we're Jacob trying to do all of that on, all on his own, still trying to earn his blessings. Why are we prone to do this? Why are we prone to try to earn the blessings that God so freely wants to give us? What is going on? What, what, is it, what is it about us that wants to try to earn all that God wants to give us? The Bible says this. It says, uh, not answering that question, but giving you something to ponder. In Hebrews, this is a great memory verse, by the way. It is good for the heart to be established in performance. No, it's not what it says. It is good for the heart to be established in grace. Wow. It is good for the heart to be established in grace. What does that mean? Uh, uh, we we want to stand in grace. So that even when I lose it in anger, or even when I drink too much last night. Now, I don't drink. I'm not uh, just... I choose not to drink, but I have plenty of other faults. Even when we blow it, even when we totally mess up, it is good for the heart to be established in grace so that I can wake up tomorrow after I've blown it and say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to get on path with you. Please forgive me of my sin. I acknowledge my sin before you. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Only you can do that. But Lord, I want to walk with you today. And I can't wait to go to work and talk to Bill. And I want to tell him about you today, Lord. I'm going to take him out to lunch. I want to buy him a nice lunch. And I want to tell him about how great you are. That's standing in grace. That's, and it is good for the heart to be established in grace. Why don't we? Why do we, are we prone to, to earn God's favor? Here's one main reason unbelief it is hard to believe that god is really that good it is hard to believe that god really loves us that much it is hard to believe that god has such favor upon our life deep down we don't really believe that anyone including god could be that kind to us Furthermore, we know that we are not worthy of such kindness. And so we try hard to earn God's favor. God, I'll show you that you made the right call calling me. I'll be really good. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Guess who tried to live that way? Peter? Though all deny you, all never deny you. Really, Peter? Really? It is good for the heart to be established in what? Grace, grace. Um, otherwise, we'll try to earn God's favor, and uh, it can't be done. The second reason we are prone to try to earn God's favor is that we want to be in control. We want to be in control. Uh, we love control. Or in other words, we do not like living by faith. It's hard to live by faith. Let's be really honest. How many of you would rather see God instead of live by faith? Everyone. You don't need to raise your hands. Uh, all of us. But God has called us to live by faith. And there are reasons for that that we don't have time to go into. A simple one I can just give you. If you saw the glory of heaven, you would choose heaven for yourself just because you're selfish, not because you love God. And so God chooses not to... Uh, reveal himself to the eye uh, directly instead uh, because you would just choose him because you'd rather have the riches than anything else and instead he brings us into a relationship with him by faith that we might know him but we don't like living by faith and so here's what we say well tell me how high of mountain i have to climb and i'll climb it Tell me how much money I have to give, and I'll give it. Tell me how deep I have to swim to the depths of the sea. Tell me how many mountains in Tibet I have to climb barehanded on my hands and knees on cut glass, and I'll do it. So I can know for sure that I have it, because I don't want to live by faith. Tell me how much penance I have to do, and I'll do it. Tell me how many soup kitchens I have to work in. Tell me how many poor I have to feed, and I'll do it. Because I want to be in control of my salvation. And I want to know when I have it. Let me ask you a question. 
Which of you, uh, which would you rather have? Would you rather have a house free and clear as a gift to you with no mortgage? Or would you rather have a house with a big mortgage payment that you worked hard to pay every month? No brainer, right? Like, we don't have to think. Uh, yeah, of course. Why then, why then do we try to earn our own righteousness? Can I tell you why? We don't like to have it by faith. We want to be in control. What if God doesn't give it to me? What if God doesn't love me that much? What if, what if, what if? Right? Uh, we want to be in control. Don't tell me salvation is by faith in Jesus. I want to be in control. And this is our nature. Uh, it's common. It's not just the nature to Jacob. It's the nature that Jesus dealt with when he was on the earth. The biggest problem Jesus had was not with prostitutes, was not with drug dealers, was not with sexually immoral people. The biggest problem Jesus had on earth was with who? Religious leaders who were trying to earn their own righteousness. And Jesus was tough on those guys because they were on the wrong course. And he had to speak harshly with them because they would not hear. Paul had the same problem. The church in Galatia, uh, uh, Paul came there and they were trying to perform, perform, perform to please God. And God, Paul would come to them in Galatians chapter 3, and he says, O foolish Galatians, who has tricked you? Who has deceived you that you should so quickly leave the truth? One question I want to ask you, he says in Galatians chapter 3. One question I want to ask you. Your salvation, the Holy Spirit in your life, you being born again, did that come to you by faith or by performance? And the answer is? By faith. He says then, are you so foolish? Having begun in faith, are you now going to be made perfect by performance? And what's the answer? Not a chance. The only way I can walk in the path that God has for me today and tomorrow is to be filled with grace and allow God's love to just inspire my heart. And then sin doesn't look so attractive because I'm so in awe of God's grace and mercy on my life. And then I'm not a taskmaster to others. I'm gracious and kind because I'm like, well, Chris, what'd you do that for? I mean, what were you thinking? I mean, I've been working hard. What have you been doing? No, I don't treat her like that anymore. Instead, I say, well, Chris, yeah, I totally understand. And I mess up all the time. No problem. Yeah, forgive. No big deal. Don't even worry about it. Big difference, right? When I'm receiving his grace, his grace can flow out of me. And this is what God wants to do with us. Let us not be control freaks. Ah. Uh, in our men's and women's ministry, we're going through the life of Moses. And God delivers the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. And he brings them to Mount Sinai. He says, okay, now, now you're sons and daughters of God. You're free. But now that you might learn how to walk with wisdom, I want to give you some instruction. And, and he begins to give them the word of God, the commandments and the things. When Moses goes up to get the commandments, what do the children of Israel do? They make a golden calf. Why? Here's why. It's hard to live by faith. Hey, where's this Moses guy? He's gone. Well, we got to have something to worship. And here's what they do. They make a golden calf. And you know what they call the name of that calf? They call it Jehovah. And they say, this golden calf is Jehovah who led us out of the nation Israel. And you know what we do? We love golden calves to this day. You probably have a few. Well, I woke up this morning early and I prayed and then I read my Bible and I went to church. I go to church and I served. I served. What are we doing? We're putting handles on our God so we can say, I can see it. I can touch it. I can hold it. And therefore I'm good. Big mistake. Big mistake. Are you understanding? Is this connect? Uh, I want you to know something. Let, let us not be controlled freaks, Right? Uh, walk with God by faith. Be strong in grace. And here's what I want you to know. God's love for you is uncaused by you. His love for you is uncaused by you. Jacob, God isn't blessing you because you're amazing. 
God isn't blessing you because you know how to peel popular rods. God is blessing you because he is in love with you. God's love for you is uncaused by you. There is a term that is thrown around in the church that is really not accurate. It says that God loves you unconditionally. I want you to know that's not true. That is not true. Uh, God has a lot of conditions on love because love cares what another person does. I love my wife and there are conditions on it. Baby, you can't go sleeping with another guy. That's a condition on our marriage, right? Uh, this is how we can have an amazing marriage together. And she has that same condition on me. And, and uh, there are a lot of conditions to being in a relationship. We can't have a relationship without those conditions. But God's love for you is uncaused by you. Big difference, right? Big difference. And may we just enjoy and walk in that. Uh, God loves us because he is good, not because we are good. And I want you to know, God, your salvation, think of this. Maybe even write this down. Your salvation is God's delight. Wow. The Bible says that what Jesus going to the cross, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the humility and the shame of the cross. The joy that was set before him. What was that? That was your redemption. That was taking sinful Jacobs and making them men and women of God. And that joy was his delight. And that is given to us uh, all through the scripture. And therefore, we must rest in Jesus' goodness and Jesus' goodness alone. It is his joy to lead us, to save us, to, to make us who he wants us to be. Uh, here's a great verse that shows this. Uh, Galatians 1.3. Um, let this verse sink into your hearts as we read it. To the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God. Hang on a second. What to you? Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Undeserved blessings. Incredible favor. Grace to you and peace to you. Peace with God. You're right with God. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. That's how much favor he has upon you, who gave himself for our sins. God left heaven and became a man for the sole purpose of revealing how much he loves you, that you would understand. And then he went to a cross to pay the punishment of your sin, that you could be made righteous freely without work. That's incredible favor. Gave himself for, your, for our sins. Why? That he might deliver us from what? Let me hear you. This present evil age. Never in the history of mankind has such wickedness abound. Never in the history of mankind have men had just at a click of a button the ability to see a naked woman. Never in the history of mankind have women had so much pressure on them to be a woman? And we don't even know what that is. <laughs> it's a standard we don't even know how to hit. We don't even know how to define. And the pressure is intense. Never in the history of the world has there been such a turbulent time to raise children. And here's what God says. God is so for you that he gave himself for you that he might deliver you from this present evil age why because that is the will of god and that is the will of the father just amazing just amazing this is god's will for you uh god's love for us is uncaused by us uh now jacob is doing all these rods and all these things but who is giving jacob all the blessing god Therefore, what do we know about all of Jacob's striving and scheming and churning and all? What do we know about all that? It's all in vain. Pay attention. Pay attention. This is the exact same problem Jesus had with Israel. God called them their people. He came to them as the Messiah, and yet they're striving to re-earn their own, their own righteousness. And it is the same problem that God has with us today. 
Uh, may we not follow in Jacob's footsteps, trying to earn our salvation, trying to earn our righteousness. Here's what I have learned. Here's what I have known, uh, come to discover. Those who walk with God, those who truly know God, do not think they're good people. Isn't that crazy? The litmus test of knowing if you're really Jesus is the Lord of your life, one of the litmus tests uh, is how you view yourself as being a good person. But the answer is an amazing twist. If you are his, if he is your Lord, you don't think you're a good person. Because what I've learned, the more that I walk with Jesus, the more painfully aware I am of what? My sin and how, fall I, I sh- how short I fall. Uh, Paul would say it this way. This is a faithful and notable saying, worthy of all acceptance, that Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom? I'm the biggest one. I'm the biggest one. And the more I walk with the Lord, the more I realize just how sinful I am. And uh, I stand in grace. I stand in grace. So may we learn from Jacob that we cannot earn God's blessings, but we can receive them freely in Jesus. And uh, how freeing it is when we finally come to that point. It's amazing, and it's life-giving. And uh, it is uh, really the, uh, the very basis of our relationship with Jesus. How much more do you think Jacob would have loved life if he just sat back and watched God bring him all the rich blessings that God wanted to bring into his life? What are you striving for? I'm going to ask the band to come up and close us in song. Uh, I uh, would like to uh, encourage you uh, that this morning, if you find that you have just been on a treadmill that you just is wearing you out, I would invite you back to Jesus' words who said, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. Weary and heavy laden of what? Of trying to be good. That's what Jesus was referring to. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. Trying to be good. Trying to do the right things and falling short and falling short. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. And you will find rest for your soul. No longer trying to be pretty enough, smart enough holy enough, righteous enough, good enough, just realizing God is for me. What does it matter who's against me? And letting him do that work in our life. Next week, we're going to be in a fascinating chapter as we move into chapter 31. I encourage you to read ahead. Uh, We're going to be looking at a fascinating study about passive-aggressive relationships. Know of any? Passive-aggressive relationships, and we'll learn how to prevent them, and we'll learn how to have healthy confrontation to build healthy relationships. It's going to be a great study. Read ahead. Uh, If you're here today, though, and you're on the treadmill of performance, I would encourage you to surrender. You say, well, how do I do that? Why don't you come forward and ask for prayer? Oh, I don't want to do that. Okay, control freak. You go earn it your way. But there is a fountain flowing freely. And if you just surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, He will bless and bless abundantly. You may freely share this message with others as long as you don't charge for it. Support for these broadcasts comes from your generous donations that allow us to give away our materials for free. To participate with us, please visit our website at themissionchurch.net. God bless.